This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the writer and director for The Promised Land, Nikolai Arsol, and the film's leading star, Mads Mikkelsen. Welcome to Helgos. Du vil forsøge at dyrke heden. Jeg vil bygge kongens første koloni derude. Det er fantastisk det, du er i gang med. Jeg får redderne chance for at blive her ute. Heden er Guds natur i alt sin pragt. Hvorfor kastrere et vildt bæs, der bare kan møde af frit? Men har Gud netop ikke sat mennesker på jorden for at skabe civilisation? Gud er kæres. Livet er kæres. Nej, krig er kæres. Men vinderen er den, som kan finde ud af at kontrollere kaos. I am being joined right now by uh, Danish royalty, as it were, director, filmmaker Nikolai Arsel and Mads Mikkelsen here to talk today with me about The Promised Land, one of 2023's best films and also the Danish entry for this year's Best International Feature at the 96 Academy Awards. Gentlemen, how are you both doing? Good. We're good. We're here doing the footwork yeah. and talking to people like you. Yeah. Uh, so we're just, we're just happy that you guys are talking about our film. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, when I saw this at the Telluride Film Festival, I was completely blown away by this movie. I just watched it for a second time now at AFI Film Fest. Um, and I and I said to you, Nikolai, like this film just keeps on holding up each and every time. The crowd reactions to it have been massive. It's a movie that I think has stood out a lot compared to some other international films that I tend to see, which tend to be a bit more slower paced and tend to go with like kind of the beat of their own drum, whereas your film taps into something that I think a lot of other international films don't necessarily tend to do, which is they kind of harken back to old Hollywood blockbuster like style epic filmmaking on a grand scale. So I know you've talked a lot about you, you, your influence by David Lean in particular with this movie. Yeah. Um, can you tell me though specifically what it is about David Lean that you were attracted to when you told this story? I think, you know, Lawrence of Arabia is one of my favorite films of all time. I think I watch it maybe once or twice every year. Mm. And, uh, and I think one of the reasons I, I couldn't, I didn't always uh, understand exactly why that was, you know, but I think I've, I've, I've gotten to realize the, the, that the, it's the mix between sort of the, the grand scale epic filmmaking, but really intimate character portraits, right? Yeah. It's very complex. He, deal, he does something which which uh, very few of these kind of epic movies do which is that he he or they the team behind his films have managed to kind of create these extremely complex characters that you're still sort of wondering a little bit about and who is this guy who is Lawrence exactly and, and it's very it's very, sort of very three-dimensional and very intimate portraits but married to this adventurous kind of grand scale uh, story 
storytelling. And that and that's really something I, I've just loved since I was a kid and, and I still aspire to those kind of films. Now, Mads, one could argue, too, that you've been a part of several epic films, mostly in terms of budget and scale, though, especially in Hollywood. So many different franchises at this point. How does working on a production like this differ from, say, working on a Star Wars or a Fantastic Beast for that comparison? I think the experience for an actor is, is different than the experience for a director. I mean, mm-hmm. two very different uh, situations you're in. Uh, well, for me, I always try to make anything intimate. If I'm standing on a big you know, Hollywood production, I try to make the situation intimate. I know there's 500 people here as opposed to 20 in a Danish film, but we still have to make create that little bubble of, of intimacy. I mean, it's, so if you go into a Star Wars film, you open the door and you're, you're standing on, on a set piece like that, you obviously have to take your fanboy hat off right away. Yeah. You can't. This is your home. This is, this is where your character grew up. Uh, so, so you just have to be part of us. But the biggest difference, I guess, is that I'm, I'm friends with Nick. And yep. we, once we were shooting the film, we lived just opposite each other. And, and so we could call each other in the middle of the night with, uh, with worries or ideas or questions. And so that kind of collaboration is, is obviously not the same in America, even though I can have a, a nice dialogue with the director. But they have to have dialogues with 500 people. I, I, mm-hmm. I to, like make me the only one he has a dialogue with. <laughs> <laughs> And you guys uh, worked together on A Royal Affair, uh, I believe like, what, 11 years now ago at this point? Um, But you guys have crossed paths and like you said, remained friends since then. I know also too, Nikolai, your co-writer of this film, uh, wrote uh, and did Riders of Justice uh, along with Mads. Awesome movie, by the way. So it seems like, Mads, you're always um, going back and forth between your home country and returning back to your roots and um, balancing also all these other offers you're receiving from Hollywood. But can you guys tell me what it was like coming back together specifically this time around? Was it easy to just kind of like fall back into place with each other? Because so much time had passed since the last time you two uh, had worked directly. It was, I was almost about to say surprisingly easy, but it wasn't actually a surprise. We've known each other, as, as we mentioned, for about 11 years mm-hmm. and, and crossed paths on, on private basis. Uh, yeah. and, and Nick has been waiting for something that he wanted to, to have me in or me be part of. And then this came along. I think we, we started where we, we left last time. Uh, it's like we didn't have to go through any obstacles of like, who are we? How do we work together? We knew right away how to work. So, so I would say it was, it was very smooth. Yeah, it was very smooth. I, yeah. was, I was kind of worried because I obviously I knew him as personally those years, but I didn't know, I hadn't worked with him since Royal Affair. And since Royal Affair, uh, you've had quite a lot of big projects coming your way. <laughs> And I and I was wondering I was wondering I wonder if he's become a diva or like a big sort of like does he, like, does he has does he have new and there was just like zero amount of that he was completely the good old down to earth guy who was the blue M Ms <laughs> the blue M Ms I don't even know what that is but you're in your right you have to have blue M Ms yeah exactly but one thing I really appreciate too about the uh, Ludwig uh, Kalin character is how he doesn't start off as the hero i mean we are rooting for him because we we admire his motivation his work ethic and what he's ultimately aspiring to but he's not necessarily presented so much as the most flattering guy at first and i love mads how you brought us along that character arc that by the end of this movie you've got audience members 
cheering and weeping and rooting for this guy. Um, can you talk to me about how the two of you collaborated to complete that arc for that character? I mean, it's, it's in the script. It's, it's in the story. It's not something I, I, I just had a funny idea and we went with that. that that's, that's the story. Sure. It's, it's, there's no story without this man's uh, own personality. If, if he was like you and me, he would have chosen to go left instead of right quite a few times, and there would have been no drama. He right. would have called it in a different way. But he's creating his, his own downfall, and he's also creating the drama of the film. Obviously, there are other outside coming forces like Dushenko, but, but he could have managed that if he had handled it differently. So, so we knew that he was part of his own destiny, this character. Mm. It was all about you know, figuring out when the tiny little smile happens, when the little crack happens, just you know, plan it out and, and, and stick to our guns because we were also getting a little worried that, oh boy, this man is too stubborn. Maybe we should do it earlier. But mm-hmm. each other and we agreed on like we planned page 88 let's stick to it <laughs> was that really the specific page number page 88 yeah it's, it's a <laughs> i think you know speaking to that question that's probably uh interestingly one of the things that i'm most proud of uh, about this film and i think it just also speaks to mass uh incredible talent and the way that you sort of uh the way that you put yourself into this character is that Contrary to a lot of other uh, films, you, you sort of tend to have a big thing that happens that changes the character, right? That's yeah. very normal for any dramatic structure. But in this film, and I think Mass does this so well, is that you don't really see it coming. It's, it almost happens in these little tiny increments. So, and suddenly you start feeling, oh, maybe he's changed a little bit. And, and, that's, and that's such a complex thing to do for an actor, just like slowly, slowly evolve a character instead of like something big happens and it changes. And so that's one of the things that I really enjoy when, when I'm rewatching is, is to see your evolution as a Ludwig's evolution as a character. So I think you're right. It's, it's kind of like, it's very subtle, but it's definitely happening. Yeah. And I think there's also been a simple, there's been a, there's been a way of portraying, let's call it the good guys and the, and the bad guys throughout cinema history, which is like sympathy. We need sympathy, right? Yeah. And, and that's not necessarily true. I remember the first time I saw a film where I, I disliked the character, and then I liked him, and then I disliked, and I liked him. I was going back and forth with Taxi Driver. I mean, and, and I think that that's the thing about drama and real life, is that people who are not necessarily sympathetic can be interesting to watch as well. And yes. end up doing the right thing at the end. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Completely agree. Uh, the book that this is based on, the Captain and Anne Barbara, uh, Nikolai. For you, what themes of that story like drew you to it? Because when I watch this movie, I'm getting a lot out of it in terms of what man values, for example. Because uh, Dushinkel obviously has a sense of entitlement uh, to this land, and for as we said, Kalen, uh, his priorities change throughout the course of the movie, of course. Um, but I'm curious to know, like, thematically, what message did you either want to convey or were you most drawn to in the original 
uh, novel. And then Mads, similar with the final screenplay, what themes spoke to you? I can tell you that for me, it was the most personal part of making this film was that I became a dad uh, three and a half years ago. And, and I sort of saw in this novel, it was the same time that I read the novel. It was the perfect timing for that. And, and it was sort of feeling that I, I had spent my entire life uh, working, you know, just working, striving for excellence, striving to make the next film better than the last. Yeah. And so uh, and, and when I uh, when I had a, uh, my first son, I realized that there was something that was you know, far more important than work. And uh, <laughs> I hadn't realized that until that point, oddly. Uh, and and that, that's it's a little bit of the same, you know, uh, journey Ludwig goes through. I, I'm not yeah. spoiled too much, but it's, but it's, but it's about uh, if you are all about ambition and goals and, and the end game, then do you even live your life? Like, can you even uh, appreciate the life that you have and the people that love you and that you love that are around you? I think that was for me the uh, the most important and personal thing. And then there are a lot of other themes, but that is the main thing for me. I kind of feel like I'm going through that right now at this stage of my life. So I get it. I totally do. Almost all human beings experience that kind of that thing that uh, that convergence. Yeah. And you? Yeah, I mean, obviously that. And I mean, many years ago, as, as an actor, I had an epiphany exactly about that, which was like trying to avoid to be ambitious on behalf of your career, but to be ambitious on behalf of the, of the present now and here, whether it's your family or whether it's the project you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. Because you can easily make everything a stepping stone towards a higher goal. And if you're never going to achieve that goal, so what was life then? So if yeah. you make the stepping stones the most important thing in your life, then it's something. Mm -hmm. so, so the theme, absolutely, I agree with. And, and then I also found it super fascinating with a character that, that so desperately wants to be part of something that he hates. Yes. Nobility, right? Mm. But besides that, it, that's not the only story. Obviously, there are many other characters around it. Yeah. One, the one. But the, the three people that has the biggest impact in, in, on this character's life, and he doesn't acknowledge it until very late, he realizes how important people are for him. He doesn't need anyone. He's never needed anyone. And it, they're all three women in this film. They all yeah. change his path of life without him even noticing it. And, and I think that's very powerful. These three characters are a product of that time, but insanely what we would call powerful woman uh, uh, for the time. I mean, just take Anne Barbara, the mere fact that she can walk and talk after what she's been through is, is insane. Uh, yeah. So, so, so they were very powerful female characters that we didn't we didn't force our own morals from 2023 in them they were just powerful by themselves i think that comes across definitely as well in talking about some of the other cast members here um i i have to bring up melina uh hagberg who plays animus uh because oh my god is she just adorable in this movie she um i, I heard you guys talking during the q a the other day about how she was extremely natural and um how she is in real life is how she is in the film mads can you tell me a little bit about just what it was like working with her on set because uh, clearly she's not necessarily a trained uh, actor and just like there as the lead of this film, I imagine responsibility falls upon you to help guide her through that process alongside Nikolai. So can you just tell me what that's like? Yeah. I mean, the responsibility falls upon us, us all. Uh, sure. I was the one who could speak Swedish on the set. So, so that, that came in handy. <laughs> uh, yes, she wasn't trained and that's what, what Nick was looking for. And I agreed. Uh, we wanted that, the, the innocence and the, the, 
purity of a child. That doesn't mean that you can't find child actors who are trained who are not good, but we wanted that specific innocence. Uh, meaning, obviously, that not all her lines were there every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then she would come up with something else, and that would turn out to be even more fantastic. And we, in many ways, this for us is just to hang in there and, and, and follow her, her lead, because she's probably doing the right thing. Yeah. It's a very I, different kind of directing, and you have to kind of learn that. I had never worked with somebody at her that young, you know, before, and who was not trained. And it was funny because there's the it's a different way of directing. It's not like if she's a little tired that day, you can't just tell her, no, no, come on, you just gotta do these two lines. It's, it's not gonna happen. The only yeah. thing you do is like give her a pancake and like play around and do something fun, and then she's back for ten minutes and she's good. But it's a very different way of thinking. It is, and, and none of us are trained in that. I mean, now now we are niggas <laughs> parents. Yeah, for many years, but so we had a hunch, but we also so we forget little things like her first shot was uh, among two hundred people with with all the other people around her, and and we, it came as a surprise to us that it it that she was shocked by it. Right, she and was just shy. used to us. Yeah. She was used to us, and all of a sudden we realized, oh God, there's two hundred people looking at her. <laughs> So we had to we had to kind of like make it intimate again for her for in, in order so she could be doing what she was good at but little, little things like that surprised yeah. us right and just me being this grumpy character for the vast majority of the film <laughs> and, and off screen not being and there was some work there to explain to her listen when they say action you know i'm going to turn grumpy but i still <laughs> like you <laughs> so, so that was some, some work there yeah. and i i think simon uh Benenberg, uh plays one of the most deplorable, despicable, God, I hate him so much villains I've seen in a movie in quite so much time. Um, he, he reminded me very much of that little shit from Game of Thrones, Joffrey. And I just, I would love for you guys to tell me some positive things about Simon because I feel people are going to really hate him we after watching this can't. movie. He's a horrible person, yeah. I'm sorry, no. But he is. <laughs> no, none of the stuff he's saying was in the script. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's an incredible guy. He's he's. You've also told the story, Matt. But it it was it, a lot of young actors, and he's not a big name in Denmark or anything. There's a lot of young actors when they come in and, and have to play up against Matt. They get really nervous. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a reason for that, you know. And everybody they they kind of grew up with Matt and look up to him and everybody, you know. But he was just like you should almost tell this, but he was really holding his own in the casting. Yeah. So so this the stages relationship is quite clear. Uh, the little shit has the status. And yeah. He, and he yeah. Was, right. So when he went into the room, we had a chit chat before, and he was just super sweet and nice. And when we sat down to do the audition, he was just not backing up. He was just you know, holding eye contact constantly until I eventually would just look down. And, and it was just, it was just this, it was such a confidence in this young man. Yeah. And mm -hmm. like, besides him being a brilliant actor, we were like not in doubt when we saw the, the tape. It was like, he, he, he um, he was a boss of the room, and that's what we were looking for. Yeah. But he's a really, really nice guy. In real, okay. in real life, he is. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's wonderful. Uh, and and I, I think, well, we both are, are, I know you were a big part of that, but we were still, I think he, one of the things he's doing that also makes him dislikable for you to look at, let's, let's say if he was like completely alien to us, maybe he wouldn't be that dislikable we wouldn't really pay attention but the thing is he's not so alien he's that yeah. who has all the toys mm -hmm. but he wants to play with him but he does know they don't like him mm. 
So he was constantly feeling pity for himself in all the scenes, yeah. which is a fantastic move for uh, as a character move. Yeah. Uh, because he was aware constantly, no matter what he did, they wouldn't like him. Yeah. And 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 I think that makes him human, and also for that reason, recognizable and dislikable. If you notice it, it's it's, it's actually whenever he does something really despicable, it's, he tears up almost. It's really I think that's a very interesting choice. It's it's almost like he gets tears in his eyes because. He feels so, you know, uh, misunderstood. Yeah, misunderstood. That why why don't people like what I'm doing right Gee, now? Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> so, I, as we wrap up here, 11 years since Royal Affair, you guys seem like you obviously are still very good friends. Uh, I'm curious to know: Have you started talking all about on what? Yeah, all on <laughs> have you started talking about what the next collaboration might be, or are you just still just focused on Promised Land at the moment for now? We did pitch something yesterday. We had an idea, both of us actually, yeah, that yeah, yeah. turned out to be the same idea. Uh, oh, cool. A secret yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have an idea for the next one. Yeah. yeah. Well, very, very excited to see it, and hopefully it doesn't take 11 more years because I think you two are just fantastic together. And I also have really enjoyed talking to both of you as a pairing here as well. So congratulations, both of you, on this movie. It's an awesome movie. I need and pray that more people uh, get a chance to see it, and I think they most certainly will throughout this award season. So the two of you, thank you so much for your time today. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Have a good Take one. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director for The Promised Land, Nikolai Arsal, and the film's star, Mads Mikkelsen, here on The Next Best Picture podcast. The Promised Land is the Danish entry for Best International Feature Film at the 96th Annual Academy Awards and is up for your consideration in all eligible categories, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Actor for Mads Mikkelsen. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.